Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports Weekly Cyber Report, sponsored by Fortress Information Security. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. One of the standard features of any Black Hat or DEF CON conference are demonstrations by hackers, how quickly they can crack the cybersecurity of everything from Zoom, which we heard about last week from our guest Josh Steinman, to even brand new cars with strong security. And hackers have time and again demonstrated that military systems remain vulnerable despite improving security and investment. One of the significant cyber dangers is posed to unmanned systems that will soon include autonomous civilian vehicles. This is an issue that the Association of Uncrewed Vehicle Systems International, or AUVSI, which is the trade body that has represented the industry since its founding in 1972, the association has increasingly been calling for better cybersecurity standards to safeguard both commercial and military uncrewed systems. And just this week, AUVSI selected Fortress Information Security, our sponsor, to help craft a new generation of cyber standards. Joining us today to discuss the partnership and what's next are Michael Robbins, AUVSI's Executive Vice President for Government and Public Affairs, and Tobias Whitney, Fortress's Vice President for Strategy and Policy. Gentlemen, welcome to the program, and Tobias, welcome back. Thank you very much for having us on. Definitely appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks uh, very much. And before we get started, our daily podcast is sponsored by Bell. Our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Fortress Information Security sponsors our weekly cyber report. Northrop Grumman supports our cyber coverage overall. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. Ultra Intelligence and Communications sponsors our command and control coverage. And we're a proud Farnborough International Air Show media partner, where our coverage of Britain's leading air show was sponsored by Farnborough International and Leonardo DRS. Uh, gentlemen, thanks very much again uh, for joining us. Michael, let me start off uh, with you. W why is this uh, endeavor necessary and what do you hope to achieve with it? Sure, thanks so much. Um, it, this is an important endeavor for the uncruised systems industry because like any other industry, cybersecurity plays a critical role in the protection of, of, of systems. And in our case, these are uh, vehicle systems that are operating uh, in our skies, uh, in our ports, and on our roadways. So really, there, there isn't any, uh, uh, anything more in terms of the future of trans transportation that is uh, uh, going to grow our economy and, and change our economy um, than uncrewed systems and the, the introduction of more autonomy and automation into our vehicles. In order to do that in a way that is uh, trusted and understood, cybersecurity is going to play a very important element in that. Uh, we have seen um, in other industries, including the, uh, the energy industry, where they have gone together um, with the help of, of folks like, like my, my friend Tobias at Fortress and, and work together to be proactive and to put together industry-driven standards for, for cybersecurity and worked hand in glove as an industry with, with government to be proactive. And we, we've seen the success of those programs. And that's something that the uncrewed systems industry is seeking to replicate. What we don't wanna do is, is be like the, the pipeline industry where they did not take a proactive stance. They got hit with a, with a very uh, a major cyber attack that we're all familiar with, the Colonial Pipeline hack last year. And then had, uh, you know, more or less got caught flat-footed as an industry. And then had the government regulator come in and, and, and put, well, you know, what will ultimately be very draconian cybersecurity standards on the industry that that industry is then struggling to meet. So as, as you noted, we're the, we're the trade association for the uncrewed systems industry. That's, uh, that's on the air and the ground and the, 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 um, and maritime, both commercial and defense. So a very 
broad sector of members. We believe that working together, we can develop standards that make sense for, uh, for our industries across all domains. Probably be a little different for each domain, um, but we'll figure that out as we go along. So Michael, let me just ask you, you guys are gonna be calling for voluntary uh, standards at the end of the day, right? How, how does that work? Uh, because there are those, right? I mean, as we've seen in cybersecurity sort of writ large, uh, a lot of the standards the government has been asking for were voluntary, and there were folks who simply didn't want to make that an investment because it is expensive uh, and potentially uh, onerous. Um, you know, how, how does a voluntary system like this uh, end up improving security for everybody, both on the sure. consumer side of things as well as on the industry side of things and sure, government yeah. side? Absolutely. Good, good, good question. And, and we think that, you know, given the, the critical nature of our industry and, and the fact that um, our vehicle systems are operating uh, you know, out on, on roads and, and highways and in the skies, our industry has already done a very good job of taking cybersecurity very seriously. So we're not starting, um, perhaps like some other industries, uh, with, uh, with you know, antiquated technology, with, um, with um, you know, a lack of understanding. So a number of our, our, our companies have already, already invested very heavily in cybersecurity. They have chief information security officers or chief technology officers or others in their company that you know, the cybersecurity is already either their full-time job or a big part of their job. Just given the nature of, of the innovation in our, our industry, cybersecurity is well understood. So what, what's lacking is, is any kind of uh, consistency and, and, and target for the industry to meet. And that's where we're hopeful that working together uh, as an industry, we, we can create a, you know, set and set uh, a bar that uh, you know, industry is incentivized to meet. And you know, we're in the very early stages of this process. We just, just announced it today where our, our working group is in, in formation. We'll be holding its first meeting uh, next week. So you know, we still have a lot to learn as we're going through this process. But you know, I'm very confident that, that given the, the significant investment in cybersecurity that a number of our, our, our member companies across our industry, across all domains, commercial and defense, have already made, that uh, we're going to find a very welcome audience in our, our community. And, and the feedback already has been terrific. Uh, while we officially announced this today uh, at our big trade show uh, this, this past April, we held a, uh, a, a keynote uh, panel, uh, Tobias and I and some other gentlemen, uh, on cybersecurity, and it was very well received by our community, and, and uh, we got a lot of really positive feedback from that. So we're we're off to a really good start. Tobias, uh, let me bring you into the conversation. So, what's Fortress uh, bringing into uh, bringing to the table on this, and what is the architectural solution uh, to this problem? Right, you have a multiplicity of suppliers. Some are on the small commercial side of things. Some are on the larger ones. Whether they're for agricultural applications, there was a great story I think that was on Apple News uh, where you know a farmer was using unmanned systems to do uh, you know seeding uh, of of their fields. Right, I mean it's only a matter of time before you're going to get away from the big crop duster and have an unmanned system be able to do it. Um, right, I mean what what is what is it you're bringing to the table, and what's the architectural approach? that's necessary to be able to sort of have this tide lift all boats, uh, if you'll, uh, you know, allow me to mix a metaphor here. Yeah, I think one of the um, areas of experience that we've had uh, is that you know, we've worked we've worked in other verticals, specifically uh, critical infrastructure, energy, uh, electric power, oil and gas, and some work within the DOD um, to help create the sector-specific uh, set of controls, a set of, a set of assessment criteria, uh, that is very transparent, um, that, is, uh, that recognizes industry standards and best practices, 
uh, and operate them, manage them, and, and share that information uh, in a way that's secure, but through uh, a set of automated controls, automated systems, and dashboards and portals uh, that allow for the stakeholders that are engaged, allows for the suppliers that are complying or trying to comply with the standards, and allows for organizations like AUVSI to have visibility uh, into the progress uh, of the vendors uh, and their products and the components within their products from a security perspective. So, so that's what we're bringing to the table is that infrastructure environment uh, to be able to securely share uh, and present the, the information as it relates to compliance to these best practices and guidelines that we're developing uh, in coordination, uh, coordination with ABSI. Uh, in terms of architecture, uh, what we want to make sure is that we, that we address um, some key elements of security uh, for, for the standard or the cybersecurity framework that, uh, that we're framing out uh, in coordination with AUBSI. Um, there'll be a big focus on supply chain security, as we know uh, that we've seen over the last several years, um, a, a, a huge focus uh, in understanding supply chain risks. Log4j is an example. SolarWinds is an example before that, where we've seen technologies be exploited uh, several links down on the supply chain only to impact numerous, numerous com companies uh, and organizations that, that might um, be integrated or have that particular technology uh, within their footprint. So huge focus in supply chain. Uh, the next area is um, corporate uh, cyber hygiene. We want to make sure that any, any of the um, uncrewed technology vendors and autonomous vehicle uh, suppliers uh, have a very good understanding of the internal controls that are expected uh, to, to, to demonstrate effective security practices and policies within their organization. So that's going to be a significant check to ensure that their cyber hygiene is where, where it needs to be. Uh, product and device security. So that's where we're going to be spending quite a bit of time to make sure that uh, these devices can be configured if they're not designed already to meet um, many best practices. Um, and also that we have a very transparent understanding of hardware and software bill materials to make sure that the provenance, the origins of these technologies uh, are originating from, from secure uh, fourth-party vendors and technologies uh, that can be used in the, in the vast array of potential applications um, uh, for, for autonomous vehicles. And then we're, we're also going to spend some time focusing on data link, um, encryption, and connectivity. Basically, we want to make sure that any remote uh, capabilities to command and control uh, these products and devices when they're in the field or when they're receiving updates or when they're um, receiving their commands, um, that, that there's confidence around the security uh, of the connectivity uh, around um, remotely uh, commanding and controlling these, these devices. And then lastly, we want to make sure that um, any of the applications um, of these technologies are being applied to environments appropriately. So if, if we're talking about a military um, use case, that Obviously, we're expecting to see a much more stringent set of uh, controls and standards applicable uh, to those use cases than potentially what you might mention um, in the farm scenario that you that you mentioned just prior to prior to me speaking. So, so those architecturally are the five areas of focus. Um, and again, we're we're leveraging uh, the A to V, the asset to vendor um, information sharing environment to bring this information to bear uh, to the stakeholders involved. Um, um, Michael, um, you know, you guys uh, did, I don't want to uh, spend too much time talking about it, but you guys uh, did conduct uh, a survey. Why don't you walk us through sort of the big takeaways uh, from it uh, in terms of, you know, what has to happen and, and how the survey in turn is going to shape, um, you know, the next, you know, or is, is going to shape policy outcomes ultimately. 
Sure. Yeah. What, what we found in the uh, in the survey wasn't really surprising, uh, but it was validating of, of, of the work that we're undertaking. And that's that, that more than two thirds of, of, of people surveyed uh, believe that it is important for our industry, the uncrewed vehicle systems industry, uh, to coordinate together and work together on, on cybersecurity. And that's exactly what this, this uh, launch that we're announcing today is, uh, is doing. So um, that's important because at the end of the day, the, the integration of, of uncrewed systems into societies uh, is, is going to be based upon, in part, public perception. Um, we're, we're very reliant upon uh, enabling regulation to allow, uh, you know, whether it's autonomous trucks or sidewalk robots or, or critical infrastructure uh, drones or, or delivery drones, uh, in order to operate, uh, those enabling regulations won't, won't proceed and, and won't happen if there's not public support behind it. So um, knowing that, um, you know, that the, the, the public largely confirms that, uh, uh, you know, cybersecurity is an important element of this uh, validates the work that we're undertaking. I think it was important to note that, um, you know, uh, more than three quarters of those surveyed uh, said that certainly a, uh, a cyber attack on an uncrewed uh, military vehicle would be a big deal. Um, but, uh, but again, two, two thirds still did not think that, um, you know, if that such an attack should occur, that, uh, that we should stop using them. Um, so, you know, to us that, that demonstrates that, um, you know, it, it is a big deal and with something we wanna work very hard to prevent. Uh, by taking cybersecurity very seriously, but it's also not um, something that uh, you know is going to stop the integration of uncrewed systems into, into commercial and, and, and defense applications. Um, like with any new technology, sometimes there are, there are challenges, but it's good to know that the, the public recognizes that you know the technology will will proceed and and, and move forward uh, regardless. Uh, obviously, it is our mission though to to try and uh, prevent something bad from from ever happening, of course. Tobias, what were some of the takeaways uh, and was there anything about the survey um, that sort of uh, su surprised you in its uh, outcomes? You know, I, you know, I think the survey uh, was relatively straightforward. I mean, it was definitely um, encouraging to see that uh, the, the members of the industry recognize the importance of, of cybersecurity. That is a key fabric of, uh, of what uh, we're, we're doing as it relates to autonomous technologies and vehicles. Um, you know, and I also like the idea that many of the respondents wouldn't be dismayed, that they will continue to focus on, on security and, and making sure that they're adjusting as many as best, best practices uh, as possible, even in the event of, you know, the unlikely um, cyber hacker or something along along those lines. Uh, but I, I think probably one of the challenges there will be managing perception. You know, if 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 there is a circumstance where um, there is a success, successful uh, exploit or ransomware uh, in any of the use cases uh, for autonomous vehicles, you know, we'll have our work, work cut out for us. Um, so everything that we want to make sure that we implement um, mitigates that 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 ever present uh, present threat, but at the same time, uh, we want to make sure that we we are improving uh, the confidence of consumers that that all the best practices and many of the um, the, the the appropriate actions are being undertaken, and that's why ultimately the cybersecurity framework is so important. Um, Michael, um, you know what's what's next, and what's the key uh, to getting this right, and the key to speed, right? I mean, the Cyberspace uh, Solarium Commission 
uh, made it uh, abundantly clear, you know, the need to act, the need to act quickly. Um, we've made enormous uh, progress. Uh, I think a number of administrations deserve credit, but this administration has moved sort of aggressively and sort of made it kind of a top level priority. We have a national cyber director and a very, very qualified cyber team uh, that's working. And so everybody seems to be rowing in, in, in the right uh, direction. Um, CMMC, uh, the cybersecurity uh, model maturity certification process has sort of become something cumbersome and maybe not working the way everybody had hoped uh, it, it, it would work. From your standpoint, what's next and what's the key to speed and the key to getting this right? And, and Tobias want to get your sense on this as well, uh, because, uh, you know, you've both sort of to a degree, you know, live, lived this and been scarred by it. Uh, and I, I mean that in, in the nicest way possible. Go, go ahead, Michael. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I think, um, you know, to, to my earlier point, uh, bringing a diverse set of stakeholders to the table is always, you know, uh, can be can be challenging and be intimidating because you're bringing, you know, um, you know, folks from from di very different types of companies in the end system industry together to try and, and, and collaborate and, and work. And they're going to be clearly approaching this issue from from different perspectives and they have very different types of vehicles. But I think that actually, in our case, while will be a challenge at times, is also a great opportunity to work with speed because we're going to have that diversity of opinions. We're going to see different models of cybersecurity. We're going to see how different companies are approaching this, and we'll be able to learn from the, the, the vast uh, uh, membership of AVSI uh, of, of how this is working, how it's working well, and then and then from you know those good examples, uh, you know, to derive uh, what we hope will be you know these these involuntary industry standards. And I'll just note, you know, you, you noted that uh, you know this administration in particular has been proactive on cyber. We've had terrific engagement with from uh, from the administration uh, as we've been briefing them on uh, on the launch of this project. Um, and and I, I'm confident that you know as we uh, are undergoing. Um, this this process of, of developing industry-driven, industry-voluntary standards that we will have um, a significant number of government stakeholders observing the process and, and, and lending subject matter expertise and counsel um, along the way. And, and I won't, I won't uh, get into spe specifics on that yet, but we've, we've been having really great uh, conversations with a, a number of folks throughout the government, um, and we're really excited about that. And, and, you know, I think that was one of the keys to success. I'll let Tobias speak to it um, that the uh, the energy industry found as well. Tobias, yeah, yeah, I just want want to echo that. Uh, I think one of the lessons learned early on uh, from NERC, North American Electric Reliability Corporation, uh, whom I've worked with for, for, for a little bit over uh, six years, uh, before they became the regulator. Uh, they instituted a set of voluntary uh, standards and policies that were developed by experts within industry. Um, so prior to their event, they had a, a really significant blackout in 2003. But before that event took place, um, they had a tremendous amount of support across the board, across the stakeholders, across the asset owners and operators, because they had a set of standards developed develop by, by their own community. Post the blackout, there's obviously more perspective uh, given to this particular industry, and, and then they looked around and said, hey, what would be the best set of standards and practices and, um, and guidelines that could be used to help ensure that we can mitigate the risk of a, of a future large cascading risk such as a blackout, and they turned back to NERC and gave them the authority uh, to, to ultimately mandate, mandate those standards, and it was ultimately uh, positively received because the industry 
was 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 in line with the process. They knew that they had a seat at the table, and it wasn't necessarily a top drive, top down driven activity uh, that they had the opportunity to opine and ultimately impact uh, the direction of the regulation. Not to say that there will be some some mandates uh, within within this uh, particular subsector, but the idea that, that as Michael mentioned, to have uh, the working group being comprised of uh, uh, professionals within this space uh, is absolutely a key ingredient to the success of this of, of this activity. Um, Michael, um, let me uh, shift uh, to uh, the topic of unmanned vehicles. Uh, right. I mean, even though I think everybody in their in their mental model uh, thinks of uh, AUVSI as representing sort of the uh, and I said unmanned earlier, I meant uncrewed and uncrewed is is the new uh, ter- term of art. And indeed, uh, in in your guys uh, name, you know, the association was born during the Vietnam War, where I think many people don't understand the enormous contribution that uncrewed uh, systems and drones made. Uh, in high-intensity uh, combat operations, right? I mean, sir, there's a sense it's an Afghanistan-Iraq uh, war tool as opposed to something that that proved remarkably successful. Indeed, one of the most uh, successful uncrewed aircraft in history is sitting in the U.S. Air Force Museum uh, at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Um, you guys also re- represent commercial suppliers. And indeed, the automotive sector is the one that's most dramatically perhaps going to be uh, also changing our lives. Tesla saying it's going to go to full autonomy, even though the you know, the government hasn't finished its investigations into that. How do we do the transportation system, the automotive system, um, and, and get it right? Because it's a complicated ecosystem. And for us to probably get to the autonomous future we want to get it to, it's going to be more than whether or not your car has good LIDAR and cameras and sensors, right? It's going to be part of a much broader ecosystem of instrumented, uh, roads, uh, signs, vehicles that have collision avoidance systems in them, right? So they'll have something like TCAS uh, on each one of the vehicles so that, they're, you know, so it's not just the camera that might miss something, right, or, or, or a LIDAR. Talk to us about sort of the systemic approach that you guys are going to try to help bring to this. And Tobias, want to get your sense as well. You're absolutely right. I think, um, you know, as a whole, AUVSI, by many people in both uh, industry and in government, think of our organization largely, you know, focused on, on drones because that's that's where we started, and for a, for a very long time, that was, you know, the primary uh, bread and butter, if you will, of, of AVSI. And that is still true today. I mean, dr- you know, drones and uh, uncrewed vehicle systems are are still make up the, the the majority of our membership. But we have made a concerted effort to expand our membership into you know all, all domains, and we have a very significant presence in the in the maritime domain. Uh, both commercial and defense, but particularly heavy in defense, and we have some very strong partnerships with the with the United States Navy. And on the ground side, we've had uh, great success in developing uh, a ground systems working group, and that which has now recently become an advocacy committee. Um, and, and that is focused uh, a little bit less on on passenger mobility right now, um, and, but a lot more focused on on goods movement, automated goods movement. So we are working with a number of, of companies that are doing. Um, uh, sidewalk uh, delivery um, or, or street, you know, last mile delivery. Um, we're working with a number of companies that are doing warehouse robotics. And we're also uh, working with a, a great number of companies in the automated trucking space. And in particular, those companies are, are very close in terms of technology um, to, to deploying in a very meaningful way. And, and in, in fact, in a number of states, they're undergoing very significant, really really exciting testing, uh, particularly down in some of the Sunbelt states, 
where they're they're operating out on on roads right now with uh, with automated trucks. So the <clears throat> the importance, as you noted, um, to those vehicles um, uh, of, of having trusted cybersecurity really you know, can't be understated. Um, you know, no one wants to be, uh, uh, you know, driving next to, uh, 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 you know, any kind of vehicle that, you know, is vulnerable to, to being uh, hacked or spoofed, whether that's a, uh, you know, one, you know, piloted by, by an individual or, um, you know, with, with no one on board at all and being uncrewed. Um, so, you know, we're hopeful that working with our, our, our members and then with the broader automobile industry, um, you know, what we're able to develop will be applicable to not only um, the uncrewed systems industry, but, but may have applicability a, a, across uh, all of, of, of the, the, the automobile community, which is why we've cast a, cast a very wide net, um, you know, as we're developing our working group and we'll have uh, participation from a, from a broad, uh, broad group of stakeholders, including some companies that are doing um, work in both the, uh, the, uh, the, the piloted, you know, human on board and, and, you know, also moving towards more automated and autonomous operations. Um, you know, this is, this is, this is the future. So, um, I, you know, a lot of a lot of good groups and, and companies have gone on board with our project. Tobias, I want to ask you slightly. Right, I mean, same question, but a slightly different uh, angle. In that, you guys are in energy, in government, across industry, right? Uh, automotive. You know, talk to us a little bit about in this space how we need to think about it and what are some of the lessons you guys are drawing from different industries and bringing to helping solve the problem right because ultimately you want to be able to improve that security before there's an unfortunate incident right i mean you want to be left of incident uh, as opposed to you know towards the right side of incident which just means a nice investigation <laughs> ultimately I don't, I don't mean to make light of it right position that we're sitting in this process, I think helps us. It gives us uh, a perspective on how you know, other industries uh, have ultimately addressed cybersecurity, but it also gives us some sensitivity to, um, to the various suppliers and manufacturers that provide technologies in the space. Yeah, I'm on the phone with and in, 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 in meetings with manufacturers all the time. Some of the biggest challenges that they have is we, we, we don't know what we should be doing. There's a different set of standards for various verticals that we're operating in. Many of the asset owners and operators and other interested stakeholders may not always be that terribly specific to us as to the types of cybersecurity um, controls and recommendations that they'd like to see within their product. So that makes it incredibly challenging for them to uh, to thread the needle in terms of what are the appropriate amount of R&D dollars that should be applied to their technologies, what types of security capabilities should be applied to their products. Uh, so we, in, in our role, help to kind of normalize what some of those expectations are. So if you're a large supplier that operates in numerous verticals, uh, whether it be uncrewed technology or energy or, or just plain old IT systems, Internet of Things, uh, we can help provide um, a, a huge piece of standardization um, and ultimately transparency to understand the differences between the unique subsectors that they're working within and also give them some understanding of where, where they may need to go from a, from a security uh, and product um, security improvement perspective. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I think some of that experience we're going to be bringing to bear 
Uh, we're not trying to make something that's incredibly onerous for the supplier community to um, to to comply with, um, but we also want to be able to leverage, uh, as I mentioned before, many of those practices and lessons learned that we've learned from other other verticals. And the biggest piece there uh, is to make sure that they have, uh, as we have as we've developed here, um, an opportunity for them to opine through the working group to be able to share what practices that they, practices that they've seen to be effective and be able to leverage that into something uh, that everyone can witness, be a part of, and ultimately be be comfortable with uh, once we get to the finish line. What's the time scale that you guys are working on, right? I mean, how quickly do you want this uh, set up uh, and implemented from an AUVSI uh, standpoint, right? I mean, what's what's the schedule uh, that folks should walk away from this conversation with in terms of how quickly you guys are going to be uh, producing deliverables? Sure, I appreciate that. We're, we're going to be very aggressive. I mean, we're, we're aiming to del- have deliverables in, in under a year. Um, you know, we won't really know until we're, we're up and, and, and running. Uh, exactly how that's going to flush out, but uh, we know that this is uh, important and we know that not having something in place, you know, could hold up other rulemakings and uh, and, and other uh, enabling uh, regulations that allow for the integration of these systems. You know, and this is going to be an iterative process. So, you know, what we put out at first, you know, may be you know, a little light and it may build over time. Uh, obviously, technology evolves, cybersecurity is evolving. Um, threats are evolving. So, you know, this isn't going to be one and done. This is, this is going to live on. Very good. And we look uh, forward to following the process uh, with both of you as you guys go through it. Uh, Michael, thanks very, very much. Tobias, thank you uh, very much, uh, both for spending so much time with us. Really appreciate it. Uh, Fairwinds following seas and look forward to staying in touch uh, as we continue to cover the issue. Thanks so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.